When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great to have you with us on a Tuesday night in Miami, Fox Sports 940 in the iHeartRadio app. Thanks for making us a part of your morning, afternoon, or night. Ricardo Wanche guiding the ship here at the studios of Fox Sports 940. This is the Marlins Hot Stove Show. I'm flying solo, and I'm the host of tonight's program, Steven Strom. Kyle Seeloff somewhere in the middle of Europe. However, you will hear from him at some point. I'll explain later. Let's get to our lineup for the show today because we've got a lot of ground to cover here tonight. Two guests will dominate the program, and it's a pristine guest list. Okay, Joining us around 515 will be Assistant General Manager Gabe Kapler. He will chat with Kyle and I. Yes, Kyle and I. We pre-recorded this spot before Kyle left. We got into a plethora of things with Gabe, why Miami, what his role looks like, and some light stuff as well. It's a fantastic spot. Around 5.30, Vinesh Conten, the new Marlins Director of Baseball Operations, will hop on the show as well. Vinesh just helped the Texas Rangers win a World Series, so uh, some some great momentum to come off of in 2023 into 2024. He actually worked with Marlins general manager Peter Bendix as well when they were both at Tampa. So we'll get to know him a little bit. He's got an incredible story. Plus, he's a Jersey guy, so he gets a ton of brownie points from me. It's always interesting. You don't hear a lot about some of these front office individuals. They do a ton behind the scenes that we don't see. We talk about the players. We talk about the managers. But these guys are just as important. So I'm very excited to share that spot with you with Vinesh Conten. All right. Um, there's a couple of things I want to get into before we get to our interviews. We'll start with arbitration because there were plenty of players that were um, up for arbitration and eight have settled. Okay, Jesus Lazardo, Trevor Rogers, A.J. Puck, Stephen Oker, Anthony Bender, J.T. Shagwa, Jesus Sanchez, and Christian Bethencourt. So those players have agreed to terms. They're good to go. Whatever happens after that happens. But the three individuals that have not agreed are Luisa Rise, Jazz Chisholm Jr., and Tanner Scott. All names, or at least two of the names, Luisa Rise, Tanner Scott, that have been kind of thrown around. And it, we have spent so much time, Kyle and I, on this show talking about, oh, well, what if this happened with this trade? As of right now, let's just talk about the facts. The most important thing is they're going to figure out a deal with the Marlins, and let's just kind of keep it at that. Luisa Rise, Tanner Scott, Jazz Chisholm Jr., all um, still looking for that number to agree on. They'll go to a hearing. It's kind of weird, the process, but this is just how baseball works. So those are the three that have not agreed to terms. The eight others that I named off are all good to go for 2024. A couple of dates I also wanted to mention. Yesterday, the international signing period opened, which basically means what it sounds like. You're able to go out and sign international free agents. Luis Cova is one of the names that keeps bouncing around for Miami. He's expected to sign with the Marlins. Nothing official yet, but he's 16 years old. He went from shortstop to outfield. Fish on first, 
posted some videos on the Twitter and you just look at Luis Cova and you start to salivate. You start to drool a little bit and you're like, whoa, it just kind of pops off the screen. Very long, lengthy, can really throw the ball, uh, just looks like a freak athlete. So from that standpoint, that's kind of exciting with the international signing period. And then fast forwarding to next week, the Hall of Fame results will be announced. And I think it's worth mentioning, at least, former Marlon Gary Sheffield is on the ballot for the final time. He'll need at least a 75% of the vote from the Baseball Writers Association of America. Six seasons with Miami or Florida at the time, hit 122 of his 509 homers. With the Marlins, finished third in the National League MVP voting, won two Silver Slugger Awards, and made two All-Star appearances. So best of luck to him. And then FanFest. And I've got a ton of great things that I'm going to read to you guys at the end of this segment, but I'm super excited for it. It's on Friday, two days after my birthday. I'm going to be so excited to see everyone, to meet everyone. Me and Kyle are doing a live show. Uh, fans can expect player meet and greets, interactive games, behind the scene tours, fireworks. It's four to 10 at Lone Depot Park. You can claim your complimentary ticket at marlins.com. Everyone that has been here before me, again, this is, I'm going into my second season. Everyone talks really highly about this event. I'm super excited about it. So we hope we all can see you there. Again, we're just bouncing around here in this first segment. I also want to give you an update on a minor league deal that the Marlins inked, and that was Jonathan Davis. He's back on the Miami Marlins. And he was one of, how do I say this? He was one of those guys I thought that sparked this team in the middle of the year. He came on when the Marlins were on that West Coast trip against Colorado, and he was signed. And you could just almost feel his impact right away. He hit a home run. And just in the outfield, I thought he uh, stabilized that position when Jazz Chisholm Jr. went out. I mean, there was a lot of questions when Jazz went out. Who was going to fill in at center field? Jonathan Davis came in. He batted 244, two home runs, 10 RBIs in 34 games, 90 at-bats. But they won when he played. Whether you want to say he was playing against uh, teams of lesser competition, Jonathan Davis, when he played, the Marlins won. So he's back on a minor league deal. It's good to see him back in a Marlins uniform. Before we go to break, because I feel like we've also spent so much time on this show talking about trading guys. Like we talked about the three guys that are still waiting on deals in arbitration. Jazz Chisholm Jr., Tanner Scott, Luisa Rise. You more hear about Tanner Scott and Luisa Rise's name kind of being thrown around. But I'm. I don't. Let's 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 just have fun at this point. And I I rather end the twenty the the segment here with the facts that'll make you excited at least for 2024, because no trades have been made. Nothing has been anything. Okay, it's all just bells and whistles for me. So let's just assume here that everything is a, a green light for 2024. Let's just start with the pitching staff. It's really solid right now. Your top three in Jesus Lazardo, Yuri Perez, and Braxton Garrett. That trio right there is an outstanding foundation. Whether you want to put Edward Cabrera, whether you want to think Trevor Rogers, whoever it may be, you can even think Ryan Weathers after that last start in Pittsburgh. There's a ton to be excited about as far as the pitching goes. The bullpen led by Tanner Scott, Andrew Nardi, JT Shagwa, Stephen Oker, George Soriano, another guy I'm really excited for. I should have added A.J. Puck to that starting potential rotation. He's being looked at as a starter. And then you look at the lineup, right? Luis Arise, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Jake Berger, Josh Bell, Brian De La Cruz. That's going to be the first half of your lineup. That's a pretty good lineup, right? 
And then you're going to have your mix-ins with John Birdie and Videl Brujan mixed in with Jesus Sanchez or Avi Garcia. The guy played in 37 games last year. He turns 33. Can he be a DH? I don't know. Maybe. But I don't think he can't have a worse year than he did last year. Uh, is there still meat on the bone? Kind of is the big question for Avi Garcia. And then the catching situation, which me and Kyle have outlined it, it's it's already an upgrade with Christian Bethencourt because of how poor the numbers were from the catching position. Nick Fortes is going to have a better year. Christian Bethencourt is going to provide a little bit more pop in the lineup and hold runners uh, as well. So, uh, you know, Skip and his staff, they're back. Subtract Brant Brown. You elevate John Mabry. The revamp front office. Continuity and chemistry can separate teams. And I think that is what the Marlins can hold their hat on is the continuity, the chemistry, the trust, the stuff that matters within the clubhouse. They showed it on the field. There's a standard to be held to. And now it's here. You know, so I, I think when you look at the continuity and chemistry, that is what you're going to lean on in 2024. And I think it's it's vital for any sport, specifically baseball. So I'm very much excited for 2024 and I'm done with the whole trade situations, whatever maybe. What we see is what we get right now. There's nothing to talk about. And what we have right now is everything you need to know about the 2024 Miami Marlins. All right, before we go to break, FanFest, I just mentioned it. Don't miss FanFest. Okay, that's my message. Don't miss FanFest at Lone Depot Park on Friday, January 26th from 4 to 10 p.m. Join the Marlins for meet and greets, interactive games, fireworks, more. You claim your ticket at marlins.com slash FanFest. We also have single-game ticket offers. They're now available for the 2024 season. From dog lovers to brunch enthusiasts, we've got your bases covered. Brunch enthusiasts, I mean, come on brunch at a baseball game you can't get any better than that learn more at marlins.com slash offers and then the caribbean series Uh, listen this is going to be lit okay venezuela puerto rico mexico panama this is going to be an awesome awesome event here in miami very similar to the wbc it's going to be electric we saw what it looked like last year Learn more at marlins.com slash SDC. That is going to be an awesome event. All right, coming up next, Gabe Kapler. He joins the Marlins Hot Stove Show and reveals what Peter Bendix said to him through a conversation that flipped his mind from taking a break from the game of baseball to jumping headfirst into an assistant general manager position. That's next. You're listening to the Marlins Hot Stove Show on Fox Sports 940 and the iHeartRadio app. All right, 39 days left until the spring training opener. I'm ready. I hope you are as well as we welcome you back to the Marlins Hot Stove Show on your home for Marlins baseball, Fox Sports 940. You can also listen on the iHeartRadio app. Kyle Seeloff on vacation, but you'll hear from him in just a few minutes. I'm your pilot tonight, Stephen Strom. Put your seatbelts on. Very excited to introduce here our next guest in a few seconds. His journey as a player symbolizes an unmatched work ethic. His work in the front office as a player developer and manager is outstanding. So without further ado, led by Kyle Seeloff and I, here is the Marlins assistant general manager, Gabe Kapler. 
All right. Well, joining us on the Miami Marlins Hot Stove Show tonight, one of the newest members of the Miami Marlins organization in what's becoming a revamped side of the baseball operations department under the leadership of Peter Bendix. Gabe Kapler, one of the newest members and assistant general manager of the Miami Marlins, joining us on the Marlins Hot Stove Show tonight. Gabe, I, I, you are a recognizable face. You are a recognizable name. You have spent decades in this game, front office as a player, a world champion, National League Manager of the Year. Welcome to Miami. And before I ask you anything about all of this, are you enjoying Miami? I know you've traveled a lot over the course of your life. I'm learning a lot about Miami, Kyle. So I'm currently staying in Brickell. Uh, I've been there for about three weeks and I've got an Airbnb that's probably going to take me through the middle of February when we're all going to head to to Jupiter. Anyhow, what I've learned about Brickell is beautiful, beautiful space, very busy. And the Airbnb that I'm currently in is very transient. So it always feels like people are coming and going. I think my speed is going to be like Wynwood. I'm, I love <laughs> art. Um, and, and in particular, I love street art. And so I just want to get slightly outside of Brickle. Although I think I'll be spending quite a bit of time in Brickle. But net-net, overall, really enjoying Miami, really enjoying spending time outside in the middle of the winter. Well, Gabe, and we're thrilled to have you uh, as a member of the Marlins organization. Look, I had just prefaced it a little bit. Um, go back. You, you were a long, late, late draft pick, developed into a big leaguer, became a world champion, went to the Dodgers front office after your playing career as the director of player development, turned into a manager, a National League manager of the year. Now you find yourself in Miami as an assistant general manager. I'll try to put this on a tee for you, but why? Why now? Why in 2024? Is this the right fit for Gabe Kapler? Full disclosure, I had no plans of, of working in baseball this year. Uh, the Giants, like just going to be very honest, the Giants were paying me. My plan was to travel, eat, write about it, you know, find myself in in really cool locations. I even had visions of driving this this adventure van that I built from Calgary, Canada, down to the tip of South America. So I, that was where my mind was. And Peter called and asked if I wanted to have a conversation. And I figured it would do no harm to, to come to Miami and, and sit down with him. So we ended up sitting down and, and really hitting it off. And um, I felt like we had an aligned vision. I thought his was extremely open-minded um, and wanting to do things a little differently here. And that has a lot of different definitions, but just at the at the basic level, it's are there ways that we can be a little bit different so that we can gain competitive advantages? And are there ways that we can be really supportive of one another um, and really lean into reaching our hands out to take people with us on this journey? And a lot of the things that he was saying really meant a lot to me uh, about you know where he saw this organization going and developing and uh, being as competitive as possible for a very long period of time. So uh, that vision and that mission was compelling enough for me to want to take this leap and and kind of go all in. And so uh, since that point, I've been been here in Miami helping Peter and others uh, build things out. And uh, it's it's been a lot of work, a lot of fun, and and I'm excited about what's to come. Gabe, Steven Strom here. I appreciate you uh, joining us and carving out some time. Just as an assistant GM, it's kind of a broad name. What are your roles and responsibilities? 
I think support is is number one. Um, I really want to be able to support Peter's vision for this organization. I want to be able to support Skip and everything he's trying to accomplish in in the Major League Clubhouse. But even more granularly, on a on a smaller or um, maybe on a more specific scale, we have a team dietitian and and a minor league nutrition that we need to to get up to speed. And so supporting that group, and then you know, supporting the other AGMs and the, and the goals that they're trying to accomplish. We have a new director of baseball operations and I want to be able to support Vinesh and, and all the things that he's trying to accomplish. I would say that my best role as an AGM right now is to support the missions and the visions of other people are around me and, and use my experience to sometimes push, but do two things in equal parts support and and raise the bar along the way. All right. I want to talk about one of your best attributes and that's player development with the names are listed. Why do you think you're able to resonate and foster with these players so well? Um, well, Kyle had mentioned getting drafted pretty late, right? I was a 57th round draft pick in the 1995 draft. So what that means to be drafted in, in the 57th round is essentially you're a roster filler. You're coming to an organization to almost like protect prospects and take down innings and at bats that they're, they're not likely to take down, but you're, you're sort of an afterthought at that point. I didn't know that as a 57th round draft pick, I figured I'd just be thrown in to the mix with the first round picks and I'd have equal opportunity that they had. And I think that mindset served me very well. And the way it served me well is I played well and that got me more opportunity. And, and three years later, I was the number one prospect in the Detroit Tigers organization. So what that did for me in terms of being able to connect with players is pretty obvious. I could see the game from their vantage point, from the vantage point of a 57th round pick or like a late round draft pick, from the vantage point of a number one prospect in the organization, a starter on a on a um, championship caliber team, a, a World Series winner, a 25th man or now it would be 26th man on the roster, released, signed short-term deals, signed, signed long-term deals, played in platoon situations. And so there's not many players that I can't kind of get on their level and say, hey, I've been in your shoes. Mm. The only one that I, I missed pretty wildly was like star player. So uh, maybe a little bit more challenging for me to to relate to the Mike Trouts and and the Logan Webbs and the Giancarlo Stanton's, you know, that that sort of caliber player. But most of the, the major league players out there and the minor league players, you know, having a real true love for player development, I can I can see the game from their vantage point. Gabe Kapler joining us on the Miami Marlins Hot Stove Show. Gabe, I hope this isn't too deep, but I'm curious as I hear you talk. Like, I, I wouldn't say your path. I, maybe it's uncommon, but, you know, obviously late-round draft pick, big leaguer, world champion, front office, manager, this and that. Again, I hope this isn't too deep, but I, I think you're a very, very, very bright guy, and I've enjoyed watching you from afar. What have you most learned about yourself, through, not throughout this entire journey for you for decades, but maybe over the last five to ten years in the game? It's just ever-changing all the time. Uh, the game, the game's changing all the time. It, it no. changes and it forces people to change in the way that yeah. they think about things. It's just fascinating to me. Um, so one thing that I've, I've learned and, I, and I've learned this at every stage of my career is that I have to be myself. 
Um, I, you know, I'm just going to share about me um, and, and how I have fit or not fit in this game. I've come to recognize that I am not a bourgeois and that's okay. So if you, you know, you think about like a traditional AGM, I probably don't fit that mold. A traditional major league manager, I, I probably don't fit that mold either. Even as a player, I have maybe some belief systems that don't always fit in with a, a major league clubhouse by way of example. But what I continue to be struck with is I can only be myself. If I am authentic, I have strong opinions, I care about maybe some different things than, than everybody in the room. Sometimes that's going to serve me well, but sometimes it's not going to be easily accepted at first. And that's okay too. Uh, I just can't try to alter who I am and, and try to fit in, in uh, an industry that really rewards people fitting in. So I think that's the, I'm fine with that. Like I'm, I'm just, I've, I've really come to terms over probably the last five years that I'm, I'm not the, I'm maybe more like a pink or a yellow or a, a bright blue wall rather than the beige one. And, and if that, you know, if that doesn't work, it, it doesn't work, but I'm not going to try to alter who I am to, to fit into the room. Wow. I could go deeper into the psychology of this. Um, I want to go to when you were managing San Francisco, you guys, played the Marlins six times. You got a chance to see Jesus Lazardo, Sandy Alcantara, who was out this year, obviously with TJ Braxton, Garrett, Trevor Rogers, Edward Cabrera, and, and just the plethora of talent there. What stood out to you? If you remember uh, about the Marlins, at least last year. Uh, I was impressed by how strong of a job skip did in, in close baseball games, just, pulled a lot of the right strings, made a lot of the right moves, had just like an excellent gut feel for what was happening in baseball games, but he used good information to make those decisions. And I could talk about individual players who I thought were especially tough at bats. John Birdie was definitely in that mold. And, and even though Jazz didn't, didn't always have his best games against us, he always felt like a dangerous player, especially with a right-handed pitcher on the mound, somebody you probably want to stay away from in a, in a big situation. And, you know, you mentioned some of the, the pitching, I mean, that's the, sort of the strength of, of the Marlins in, in 23 and, and, and prior as well. And going into our, our 24 season, I think it's a real area of strength and in particular our starting pitching, even with Sandy, you know, not ready to go at the outset. And also who's betting against Sandy right now, right? This is a guy who is a fierce competitor, um, uber talented and what I've already heard, like his workouts are uh, a thing of beauty and, and of legend. And I'm excited to, to get to know all of these players a little bit better. But if one thing stood out to me, it was a, just a great job that Skip did in, in close games. Gabe, last question for me, and I'll let Steven take care of the rest here. Um, and I guess it's probably a two-part question. My first would be, what do you envision your spring training looking like? Are, are you a very communicative person where you'll be in the clubhouse every day, talking to players, getting to know people, and then during games, sitting behind home plate from that development standpoint, watching them? And number two, once we roll into the regular season, do you foresee us seeing you around? Do you, do you, do you think you'll be in Beloit, Jacksonville, Pensacola, and Jupiter more? Uh, I think I'm going to be touching 
hopefully everywhere. I, I'd like to make at least a trip to our affiliates. Um, I want to be in Miami some more than anything else. I want to go where I'm, I'm most useful. Um, I, I will say this. I absolutely love adore player development. It's one of my favorite spaces. So my, my goal is to be in, in each of our spaces here. I, I definitely have a strong affection and desire to impact things internationally um, in the DR. I think there's space for digging into what, what is currently in place in Venezuela, which just like many organizations is, a fairly small presence, but it's a, a, a country that I'm fascinated by and want to learn as much as I can about. And I will definitely be around in Jupiter. My, my goal is to be where I'm most needed. Again, circling back to the theme, I, I just want to be a support system to the people that, that most need it right now. And so um, I will be opportunistic in how I travel. Gabe Kapler here on the Hot Stove Show. Steven Strom, Kyle Seeloff. Kazi, off the hot seat, can we uh, lighten it up just to end this thing? Uh, I'm done. Yes, sir. Okay. Can I, can I just say, I don't I don't think, um, for, for what it's worth, coming from San Francisco and Philadelphia, if that's the hot seat. Yeah, no kidding. This is going to get really This good. is easy. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a TikToker. Let's talk Irish goodbyes. Let's just, right, let's, let's end Irish it on, goodbyes. let's end it on Irish goodbyes, Gabe. Let's do it. Who uh, are you able? Is is anyone who was the person that gave the Irish goodbye? And if you were to do an Irish goodbye, what's what's the most successful way to do it? How do you do it? Well, well, first that person knows who that person is, <laughs> and I I I would not out anybody publicly like that. But as I mentioned, it it was not it was not well executed, <laughs> and and I didn't just save that for public consumption. I went right to the source and told that person exactly what I thought about their Irish goodbye. My my feeling on this is you're, the, the whole idea is get out unnoticed. My, like my grandmother was an absolute champion at the Irish goodbye. Big family gathering and everybody's like, where's grandma? That's it. She's just gone. So the concept that this person was noticed trying to slip out is that's why I was saying it's such a rookie move. The whole goal is like, nobody should even notice it until like, you know, six hours later. So where did that person go? So I, I don't want to like toot my own horn here, but I'm really good at this. It's one of my strongest features as an executive is slipping out of a room unnoticed. And if you guys ever want to like talk about the, the, the true tips, like the granular stuff, Come by the office. I'll I'll show you. Yes, how to I do. do. Uh, yes, absolutely. I do. <laughs> so you you kind of have to like it's like a dim the lights kind of thing. You're waiting till people are looking in the other direction. You're finding the right hallway. You need good exit strategies. Not not anybody can do this, but I'm I'm happy to to sort of develop people in this way, right? My my um like player development is my thing, but really Irish goodbye development is is my my sweet spot. <laughs> Fascinating. We're going to leave uh, a, a little meat left on the bone, and we might circle back around to this uh, about 14 games into spring training. You could swing by the booth and hang out with us for a couple of innings. But, Gabe, I know I said it, but welcome to Miami. Um, I, I, I'm personally thrilled to see you here because I think you're an incredible baseball mind, uh, along with many others that are starting to round out the, the baseball, baseball operations side of the front office. So, again, welcome to Miami. Thank you for the time, and we'll chat with you soon.
Thank you, Gabriel. Kyle, Stephen, that was really cool. I appreciate you guys having me, and I look forward to our next conversation. Okay, a big thanks to Gabe Kapler for joining Kyle and I. Don't move an inch. We're going from one World Series champ to another. We'll chat with the Director of Baseball Operations, Vinesh Kanthan, next on the Marlins Hot Stove Show on Fox Sports 940 and the iHeartRadio app. As we keep it moving on a Tuesday night in Miami, this is the Marlins Hot Stove Show. Steven Strom here, Kyle Seeloff in Europe. Ricardo Wanche pushing the buttons. Our next guest has had a hell of a journey already in his very young career. He spent five seasons with the Texas Rangers before accepting the Marlins director of baseball operations role. It's Vinace Conten, and he was kind enough to take some time for the program. Vinace Steven Strom here. Congratulations on an incredible season last year in Texas. I appreciate the time. How's Miami treating you? Uh, so far, so good. A uh, little different weather than Texas, but I am adjusting. Very good. Uh, so let's start with the obvious here. Why Miami? Why the move now? And why did it all make sense? Yeah, um, it was a couple things. I had a really, really good five years in Texas. Uh, was not necessarily looking to leave at all. Um, but then when Peter called, this opportunity was just one really hard to pass up. Um a lot of opportunity here, a lot of good people already here, and just the ability to help come in and build infrastructure. Um, but I also thought it was just cool. Peter and I, um, I was an intern in Tampa in 2017 and 2018. Um, knew Peter a bit. He was a director, but it's not like we were best friends or anything. But for someone who you worked with that many years ago to feel like you had grown into a role where you could handle this, um, said a lot about the situation too. So putting a lot of trust in Peter and his vision. Um, yeah, just couldn't pass that up. We talked to Gabe Kapler yesterday and he said that he didn't have any plans of, of being in baseball. He talks to Peter all of a sudden he's with the Marlins. You talk to Peter. What is it about him, his vision that is very enticing to join him? Peter is one of the smartest people I've been around, and I'm not just saying that because he's my boss, um, but <laughs> the way he looks at problems, and I'll tell a story when I was an intern, uh, so I reported to the director of baseball ops, uh, he was traveling with the team, I was having a problem with uh, a little coding uh, issue, so I didn't really know who to go to, I decided to go to Peter, and I explained the problem, he looked at me, asked me about 10 seconds worth of questions, opens up his computer, and then walks through exactly how I should do it, all within about half a minute. And he said, wow. I want you to do this. If you run into any trouble, just come back and ask for help. Uh, I'm here, but you need to learn how to do this. So I went back. His steps were perfect, easily able for me to execute. And anyone that knows me knows I'm not a great coder. Um, but to be able to take a situation, boil it down, be very succinct, and then provide solutions. Um, that's something I gravitate to a lot. Um, and there's not many people like Peter who can bring it down to such a simple level and just communicate at that high of a level. And then just the person, uh, yeah. overall, great human being, uh, cares about people, uh, very personable. Um, you can't really get much better than that. Vinesh Conten with us now, the new Miami Marlins Director of Baseball Operations joining the Marlins Hot Stove Show. Uh, let me get this correct here. You went to Rutgers in 2016. You then interned in ticket sales with the Phillies. And, you know, you fast forward, you're now seven years later, a, a director of baseball operations. Give us the middle. We always see the finishing end of the story, but can you talk a little bit about your journey? 
Yeah, a lot of people who believed in me. Um, so yes, graduated uh, Rutgers in 2016. Uh, I double majored in biotechnology and sport management. I thought the sport management piece would be what got me into sports. It was more the biotechnology, just unique kind of background. Um, yeah, when I was in school, I ended up being a student recruiting assistant um, with the Rutgers football team. John Park, who's with the Cowboys now, um, brought me on after I met him at Sloan Analytics Conference in Boston just randomly. Um, I was also interning for the ticket office at Rutgers, and then I was interning for the Phillies. So I would drive down um, two, three days a week, uh, stay in Philly, answer some phones for the evening, go back home, South Jersey, sleep How far was in that parents' drive? house. Uh, the drive from Rutgers was about 90 minutes without traffic. Wow. Uh, the drive back home was about an hour. Uh, so I'd stay at home. My parents were happy to see me. My brother was happy to see me. And then I'd drive back up to school those next mornings. Wow. Uh, you know, athletes have guys they look up to or just figures that they look up to. Who is your person or anyone in sports in particular that you were like, all right, I want to be like this person. And this was sort of my inspiration. Um. I think just generally enjoying sports uh, for a really long time. I just was gravitated towards wanting to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, last year I was sitting in the suite with John Daniels or two years ago, I guess. And we were just watching a game and I said, you know how crazy this is? Like I saw your name on the ticker growing <laughs> up and being like, Hey, I want to be that guy, you know? Um, so I don't think it's necessarily like one specific person, but more so just seeing GMs, uh, high level executives just do the job and do it, you know, consistently for a long time. I thought that was pretty cool, but yeah, like I told JD that day, it was like the fact that I'm sitting next to you talking about baseball, watching a game less than 15 years later is truly humbling. Right. So, um, I think it was that dream and just gravitating towards if that was a possibility, which I think if you told me at any point I'd be in this situation, I'd say no way. Mm. Um, but I think that's how it is for a lot of people. Right. A uh, couple more minutes here with Vinesh Conten, the new Miami Marlins director of baseball operations. You need to explain to me right now uh, your roles in sports science and analytics. For morons like me, can you kind of dummy that down and, and explain to the audience what exactly that is and what you plan on doing here? Yeah, so R&D analytics, I can't explain that well because I was a pretty <laughs> mediocre analyst as referred to when I said I wasn't very good at coding. Um, so we'll remove that aside for some smarter people. Yep. Uh, sports science, I'd basically say, is kind of like tech development. So you have business development and then there's tech development. So vetting different technologies or products that can help either systems, players, processes. I think a lot of people look at that by way of a like aura ring that you're looking at to track sleep or something like that. Maybe a heart rate monitor, um, maybe some GPS tracking, but there's other things that go into sports science like, hey, let's look at sprint speed or how a bat works or how the equipment we use works. Uh, and then let's take it towards other processes like this thing we're doing internally, how well are we doing it? Is there a product that could help us with employee hiring that can expedite that or give us more layers to things? So I kind of look at uh, sports science as the tech side for performance and just helping other departments do things at higher levels than maybe they currently do. All right, let's talk about the Miami Marlins as a team. What excites you about 2024 coming into this year? 
all of it. <laughs> um, team that made the playoffs, uh, a young team, a good group of guys. Um, I haven't been around too many people yet. Still try to learn all the faces and names, but from the ML staff side, just Skip and the group have been very welcoming. Um, it's really cool to see a group who's open to new ideas, new people, and want you to be a part of what they've already built. Uh, so just continuing to help and build that, I'm very excited about. All right, let's lighten this thing up. Um, what are some of the things that you do outside of baseball? It's 162 games. Your job never stops. What are some of the things where you sort of feel like a human being? Yeah, not much time for that these days. Um, I really like comic books. So just watching like Marvel, DC movies, TV shows. Uh, I've liked those since I was a kid. Um, when I would travel last year with the team in Texas, I would just find random comic book shops and go to on the road. So kind of get away from that. Um, a lot of people have asked me about pickleball. I enjoy pickleball. I grew up a, a tennis player. So um, I was a little bit stuck up uh, in converting, but I did and, uh, like to play that a lot, although I don't have as much time lately. So, uh, those would be the two things that come to mind at first. Have you played pickleball down here? Have you I haven't yet. yet. Not yet. Uh, I will at some point, maybe, uh, I hear spring training, we're going to get a pretty good group together. So, mm -hmm. uh, it'll be good. Very good. If you had to grade your, uh, pickleball skills, where you think you're at B, B plus, uh, I'd say solid B somewhere yeah. around there. Um, when you put me against like pros and high level players, I, I don't stand a chance, but against the, the common person I do. Okay. And your favorite tennis player growing up, who was your guy or girl? Yeah. So, uh, Andre Agassi, when I was a little, little kid, uh, and then Raphael Nadal, that's my, my guy. Uh, you can ask anybody about that. And then, uh, lesser known name, David Ferrer another Spanish guy, mm. uh, relatively short, like five, eight, five, nine. So I was appreciated a smaller guy being able to compete in a, in a tall man's game. Denise, this was awesome. And I really appreciate you joining me and carving out time. I know you're a busy man. Thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thank you for the time. Really appreciate it. Very excited to see what Vinesh is able to do uh, for the Marlins this season. Peter Bendick said that he can do a lot of different things, a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy, a great communicator. So they're definitely uh, aligned on a lot of their things that they believe in that was evident in our interview with Vinesh. And again, we really appreciate the time. This group has an incredible opportunity to step into an already made postseason team from last year and see now if they can guide this ship deeper into the seas. I cannot wait to see what they have in store. Coming up next... We might do a little Dolphins vent line after the weekend. I'm totally kidding. I've got a couple of things I want to hit on the schedule in 2024, some key dates, and um, particularly how the Marlins hit it in 2023. Can they do it in 2024? I'll explain next on the Marlins Hot Stove Show on Fox Sports 940 and the iHeartRadio app. This is your Dolphins vent line slash it's starting to smell like baseball Marlins Hot Stove Show. I'm your host, Steven Strom. It's been a fun show tonight with uh, A-plus guests across the board, Gabe Kapler, Assistant General Manager, Vinesh Conten, the new Director of Baseball Operations for the Miami Marlins. Um, really interesting individuals that just bring not only new ideas, fresh ideas. That's one of the common, you hear buzzwords a lot of times with uh, new general managers that come to teams that create culture. Same thing with managers. It's it's about those buzzwords that you try to um, bring in the people that feel the same way or at least act the same way. 
and it feels like um, it's going to be um, a mix of individuals that have a similar vision in the sense that they want to do things differently. They want to win in different ways. And uh, it might not be conventional to some, but when you have a group that believes in the unconventional, uh, all of a sudden you, you're all on the same page. So uh, with Gabe Kapler and Vinesh, I, I just, again, they just kind of fit right into the mold of Peter Bendix and wanting to bring in people that do different things um, can be trusted in different departments. You have different projects. So uh, again, this is going to be on our podcast page. So you definitely don't want to miss out if you're listening to this live on Fox Sports 940. Uh, Definitely hit up the podcast page and the YouTube channel as well. I figured we'd wrap on a couple of notes. I just wanted to share when looking ahead into 2024 because I'm crazy. I'm a psycho. I love baseball. I love the Marlins. And I love to look ahead as far as the schedule goes. I mean, I'll wildcard watch two weeks into April. I mean, that's just, that's my personality. That's, I want to play for something. I'm, I'm ready to go. I want to look forward to something. And, and that's what I do. So I want to take a look at the 2024 schedule, particularly the first full month. And for Miami, look, uh, this is obvious. A solid start would be ideal, but not imperative because last year it was kind of hovering until the month of June where they really took off and they got to seven over after the sweep of the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals. But just looking at the month of April, again, the first full month, because you know the Marlins obviously open up against the Pirates at the end of March. The Marlins are going to face one team in the month of April that made the playoffs in 2023, and that is the Atlanta Braves. They not only see them once, they see them twice. And you're probably thinking, ah, crap, we got to see the Braves twice. We got to play them six times. Now, the good part about this is the Marlins don't have to face them until August with this new rule about even play. And you want to see everyone across of 2024 in your schedule you don't have to play your division which feels like 30 times a year and i thought the marlins really benefited from that last year um they don't have to see this braves team until the month of august which is good for not only the marlins but everyone because the braves were outstanding last year they fell short in the postseason but the bottom line is the marlins are going to have to face just one team in the month of april that made the playoffs in 2023. Now, the six other teams didn't make the postseason. And let's contextually speak, because I think everything deserves some sort of context. The Cardinals are on that schedule. And look, the Cardinals will be better. The Yankees are on the schedule. The Yankees are still the Yankees. The Giants will probably be a little bit better as well. So when you talk about this month of April, and yes, it's just the Atlanta Braves that made the playoffs, the Cardinals, the Giants, the Yankees, they're still tricky. You still get three teams that are perennially pretty good every single year. They're coming off disappointing seasons. The Cardinals, the Giants, and Yankees will probably have better years. I mean, you would probably say two out of the three. Cardinals for sure, and then the Giants and the Yankees are sort of a toss-up. But you get four games at home in the month of April versus the Nationals, who Miami has just absolutely pummeled, dominated. I mean, it's an understatement. 11-2 last year, 15-4 in 2022 against the Washington Nationals. So you look at this month of April and you think, okay, can the Marlins get off to a 
solid start to this season. They open up against Pittsburgh. They've got a couple of teams like the Nationals. You've got a Cardinals team that's coming off a disappointing year. The Giants, the Yankees, the only team that made the playoffs last year was the Atlanta Braves. You play them six times, three at home, three in Atlanta. Won't see them until August. So can the Marlins figure out a way to get off to a hot start? Can they, can they, can they build a little bit of... I don't want to say cushion as far as a record, but can they get off to a good start where, you know, you got guys in the clubhouse that think, okay, last year wasn't a fluke. Like we're for real. We're ready to go. Let's see if we can get off to a good start. And I always look for pockets in the schedule where you can potentially go on a quote unquote run last year for the fish. They were fortunate to not only play the teams that they played, but when they played them, they faced Oakland and Kansas city in back-to-back series. So from June 2nd to June 7th, Miami didn't lose a game. I mean, it was a clean sweep, six in a row that got to the Marlins to seven games over 500. Do the Marlins have that this year just going through it? No, they don't have. I know if Skip's hearing this, he's probably like, oh, my God, Steven, shut up. Because we always used to ask him in the media, oh, when you face Kansas City, Oakland, are these must win? You got to take care of business. No, you got to treat every opponent the same. So I'm sure he's cringing if he is listening to this. He probably has better things to do than listen to the hot stove show. But you look for those sort of patches in your schedule where you think, okay, this is where they can go on this run. The Marlins don't have that particularly against Oakland and Kansas City. It's a very balanced schedule. I think baseball's in a great position as far as competitive balance goes. Oakland obviously was the sore thumb that stuck out, but I think Kansas City has gone out and done a nice job in the offseason. They probably are going to be better. So the whole point of this is, can Miami get off to a good start in the month of April? Brave six times. They're the only team in 2023 that made the playoffs in that month of April. Can the Marlins get off to a good start? I'm sure, um, you know, it's going to be a fun season. The blueprint is there. The standard has been set. The taste of postseason baseball has been sampled. Now it's up to this group. Before I sign off, all of our content is always on our Twitter, at Marlins Radio. Our interviews and segments are stored on YouTube. Vinesh Conthin, Gabe Kapler, Everything. Uh, we also had, I had Jim Leland on when he got elected into the Hall of Fame. Xavier Edwards. All of it is on YouTube where you can consume that digitally. Just type in Marlins Radio. Segments, interviews, Marlins reruns as well. We had a fun time doing that project, Marlins rerun. We talked about Yuri Star, Jazz's back-to-back home runs against Atlanta, or his Grand Slams, by the way. I'm underselling that. We had a really fun time recording Marlins rerun. And of course, the entire Hot Stove Show will be on our podcast page to consume from an audio only perspective. And with that being said, thanks for listening. For Licardo Wanche, I'm Steven Strom. This has been the Marlins Hot Stove Show on Fox Sports 940 and the iHeartRadio app. Good night and drive home safe.